When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you don't have a clear curriculum for your classroom, it is so overwhelming to try to put that together yourself. Spending hours on Pinterest and Google, pulling worksheets and pulling pieces of curriculum together to make something that works for your classroom. That's why we created the Autism Helper Curriculum and now offer Curriculum Access. Curriculum Access gets you access to all levels and all subjects of the highly differentiated evidence-based Autism Helper Curriculum. You can have students working on letter identification and working on parts of speech at the same time in our easy-to-use curriculum. We currently have hundreds of teachers using Curriculum Access from all over the world with consistently rave reviews. I want you to join that group of teachers. Now is the time to ask your administrators for curriculum access. We have an email template ready to go so you can ask them to set up a demo. Your administrators can jump on a live call with our team members to see everything that's included in the Autism Helper curriculum access. Next year, let's reduce the overwhelm. Let's start the year out with a path and a plan and resources to meet all the diverse needs of your students. Let's make next year the year of curriculum access. Head over to the show notes to learn more. Hi, I'm Sasha Long, special ed teacher and board certified behavior analyst. Welcome to the Autism Helper Podcast. I'm here to explore different strategies to improve the lives of individuals with autism. Welcome back to the Autism Helper Podcast. Today, I am chatting with Nicole Morris, former special education teacher and BCBA, all about the VB map. Now, if you follow the Autism Helper, you know we love the VB map. We have a licensing agreement with Mark Sundberg, the creator of the VB map. Today, we're going to talk implementation. We're going to talk overwhelm. We're going to talk about the language within the VB map. Nicole does such a great job breaking down what the VB map is and how you can implement this in your classroom without being intimidated or overwhelmed. She walks us through how to get started and has some great actionable tips for implementing the assessment within your classroom. Even if you already use the VB map, you're going to walk away with some great new ideas for how to make this easier and more consistent. She she also dives into the barriers assessment, which we say is you know, a thing a lot of people miss within the VB map and can be so helpful for your team meetings, parent meetings, and really explaining behavioral challenges that your students are facing. So let's hear from Nicole all about the VB map. Hi, Nicole. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me on the podcast. So I'm excited to talk with you about the VB map. I feel like we're both going to like geek out over this topic. But let's introduce it for those that it's brand new to, because I feel like maybe for a lot of teachers, this could be a new assessment. So for those that are new to it, what is the VB map? Another new acronym we have to add to our life. Yes, absolutely. The VB map is the Verbal Behavioral Milestones Assessment and Placement Program. 
So it's an assessment and skills tracking system that is used to assess the language, learning, and social skills of children with autism or other developmental disabilities. And I think we hear about, you know, a lot of these types of assessments, things like the VBMAP or ABLES being used more in like a therapy session or in a clinic, but there's a lot of value to these assessments in the classroom too. Did you see that when you were in the classroom? Absolutely. And I wish I could capture the moment I learned what it was and relive that because it was like (laughs) the answer I was desperately searching for when I was teaching. And I think a lot of teachers have this scenario where you're in a school where they do have assessments and they do have children getting special education services, but it wasn't the same type of special education service that I was providing in my classroom. So they would give me the assessment and I would say like, well, I can't use this at all. And well, where do I go from here? And no one really had any advice for me. And so I felt for years I was using some other assessments like Brigance was often given to me and it was nowhere near what I needed. And when I finally got my hands on this, it was just the answer I was looking for because I could actually capture my students with where they were at. I felt the same way about the ABLES and probably the VB map. If I would have found that, I just stumbled across the ABLES first. And it was exactly what you said. Like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been needing. Like not only that assessment piece and maybe you felt the same with the VB map, but also like knowing what to do next. Cause I felt scatterbrained quite a bit on this. Like I knew there was so much my kids needed to work on, but like, where do I even start? And these Mm -hmm. tools point you in that direction, right? Exactly. So when getting started with something new, you know, anything new is hard. Let's be real. Anything new is hard. But when you sit down, if you were to, you know, buy the VB map book, which you can do on Amazon for like 50 bucks, it's not like this huge investment. You're not buying a thousand dollar curriculum or anything like that. But if you were to buy this book on Amazon and sit down and start reading it, you might feel a little overwhelmed, right? Why is the VB map a little bit intimidating when you get started? So the VB map and the world of ABA as a whole has its own language. And I feel like that's the biggest barrier for a lot of people is you pick it up and it's not written in English. (laughs) And so (laughs) if you have absolutely no background in ABA, you've never heard this terminology, it is so confusing. And I think sometimes people who are in this field forget that, like, I was teaching and and I'd never heard the word manned before. So the first time someone said manned to me in, like, a casual context, I was lost. And it was embarrassing to be like, I don't know what that means. And so I feel like when you open this, you might have that same experience of, like, well, this isn't going to help me because I don't even know what they're assessing in this. I don't know how to use this. Or if I do know how to use this, I don't know what I'm going to do with that information. And then people might not even want to dive in because it just feels so daunting to wade your way through the entire assessment. Yes. Oh, my God. The language piece is huge. Uh, How can you overcome that? Because you're right. Those first few even like introductory chapters of the VB map are are all in include include a lot of ABA terminology. So, I mean, even if you were to want to be like, okay, I listen to this podcast. I want to do it. How can you overcome getting over the, like the vocabulary issue? Absolutely. So the first thing that I really advise people to do is look into the guide because sometimes some schools do have copies of the VB map, but they might just give you the protocol, which is basically just the things that you're assessing. But if you can get your hands on the guide and you take time to read it, it does become a lot more clear with what you're supposed to be assessing. And I think that can help a lot. And just going on to 
some websites that are geared towards ABA and Googling, if you search like what is a man, you're going to find lots of websites that, that has broken that down. So almost just make yourself a list of the words you don't understand and then create a glossary. So that way, when you go back and read the text, you know what they're talking about. And then you can start using that in your assessments. That's a great tip. And can you explain, you kind of touched on this, the difference between the protocol and the guide? Because I think that's really key. And what you said is right. Schools might have the protocol, but they might not have the guide. When you purchase it from Amazon, you get both. Or when you purchase it directly from the publisher, you get both. But can you explain the difference between those two books? Exactly. Yes, I can absolutely do that. So the guide is like a more chunkier book. And so it breaks everything that's in the assessment down. So it's not just like, here's the list of targets that you need to assess, but it's got paragraphs explaining what each target is, why you're looking at it, what maybe some of those foundational skills you would need to do the target. It's basically like a step-by-step guide to actually administering the assessment. It also tells you how to score. And I think that's another thing that is super confusing when you start to use assessments like this like the VB map use half scores and like, what's a half score? Well, this is going <laughs> to tell you exactly like, okay, the main target, for example, is being able to tact two items. And if you don't know what tact is, that's okay. It's labeling. So they need to be able to tact two items and it'll tell you, okay, if they can only tact one item, then they get one point or they get half a point. And it'll help you know how to take what's happening in that assessment and transfer it into the protocol to use your information later. That's a, that's a really good tip on the, on the assessing. And I think, you know, you only really have to read the guide maybe once or twice. Like it's not like in a year, every time you give the assessment, you'll have to reread it, maybe a refresher, but like once you understand how the language and how to deliver the assessment, you'll be a lot more fluent with the protocol and you won't need that as much. So it's not like you have to, you know, dive into that all the time. Right. Right. And then another resource I wanted to throw out there, if you're still getting really stuck, it's actually a book I purchased when I started studying to become a BCBA myself, but it's called Behavior Speak, and it's a glossary of terms in applied behavior analysis. So it's the same type of thing. It's almost like a thesaurus specifically for this field. So that was a really great resource for me to have because I could just open up to whatever that word was, manned, introvertible, and just quickly get basically a layman's terms definition of what that is. And that's really helpful to have as well. Oh, okay. I'm going to link that in the show notes. That's good to know. And especially this will be, you know, this will be helpful also beyond just this assessment. But if you have a BCBA in your school or you're working on behavior mm-hmm. plans, it's just good to be a little bit more fluent with that language anyways. Absolutely. So, okay, you've overcome the language, you've read the the guide, you're like, I'm going to get started, I'm going to do this in my class. I feel like now is like the second phase of overwhelm of like, how do I find the time? When do I do all of these observations? When do I do the, you know, the testing? When you were in the classroom and, and even beyond now in that, in a clinical setting, what are your tips for administering the, the VB map and getting, you know, getting started with that and really actually giving it? Absolutely. So this is my number one tip. No matter what assessment you're doing, look at the assessment before you go into the classroom, because I get it. Like you're short on time. You've got too many things to do. But there were way too many times where I had the student sitting at the desk and I'm opening up the assessment book for the first time in six months. And Mm -hmm. I'm not really comprehending what it's saying. And I'm wasting valuable time. So I always did find it helpful if I could just take like 15 minutes the night before and look through what I wanted to assess. And why I think that's really helpful with the VB map is you'll find there are some things that you don't necessarily need to pull the student to sit with you and assess. You might be able to assess some of that by play when you're playing at recess or things like that. 
is you can better figure out what are things that I could just naturally observe and what are things I need to carve out time to assess the student. And if you can kind of narrow it down to, okay, well, these are the four things that don't naturally occur in the classroom right now. So I need to make an opportunity to test that. That'll make it a little bit easier for you rather than saying, I need to block two hours so I can test every single thing that's in this protocol. So that is my first tip. For and you're sure. going to get such a better result and a more accurate assessment if you do it that way, because in the in the playground, there's going to be more natural opportunities where reinforcements built right in. It's, it's something that's truly a generalized skill versus being in the middle of the class and being like, OK, now go over there and and do jumping jacks, you know, and it feels like right. out of context or something like that. And it can be more more natural and something that's actually a skill they can do and you'll have a more accurate result. Absolutely. And it's also just a lot more natural. So sometimes I felt like when I did pull the student over, they weren't showcasing the skill to me because they were a little nervous. Like, why is the teacher calling me over? And so then my results wouldn't really be what the student was actually doing. So if I could just kind of take notes and they don't realize that I'm doing it, especially if you have a student that's super aware of what you're doing, that kind of helped me kind of get that information without making them be really nervous. Yeah. And like when you're this idea of like rereading ahead of time, if there's skills that you know they can do, you saw them do it last week, yesterday, is that mm-hmm. fine to just go ahead and like mark those skills as mastered or that they have those skills? I would. Now, if it was a scenario where I'd only seen them do it once, I might be like, okay, I need to see it one more time. But if I read it, I'm like, oh, well, I see them do this every single week. Then I'm confident in saying, okay, they've got that skill. I don't need to specifically test that this week during this assessment. And I think that makes it more manageable too. If you could like sit down and go through ahead of time, like, okay, these are the things I yeah, confidently know they can do. You don't have mm-hmm. to sit, like the idea of sitting and testing something that you and the student both know he can do is a waste of everyone's time. Right. And another thing that I like to do with pretty much every assessment, if you've never seen it before, the VBMAP, the ABLES, the APLES, all of these assessments have grids. The grids are super cool because you can visually track progress over time. But trying to color in a little box during an assessment is difficult. So I would set myself up a separate guide, whether it was a piece of notebook paper, a Google Doc, something, and type all of my answers in there and then transfer it. And what was really nice about that is, again, when I still wasn't very comfortable with the vocabulary, I would put myself little notes. So I would have like, I need to test this and manned and then like a note to Nicole, I would put that's a request. So that way I remember when I'm testing, oh, this is what I'm looking for. And it's just helping you make that whole process more streamlined. Yes. Oh, the grid thing is a really good suggestion because as you said that I had like vivid memories of like trying to make sure a student doesn't run away, but also be like, oh, where's this box I'm looking for and the right (laughs) color and yeah, just doing it later, just taking those notes, getting, you know, your, the data that you need and then putting it in the grid later. Yes. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. And then the other tip that I have is a lot of the VB map can be done just in the natural environment, but there are some times that you need physical materials. And these are things like language builder cards, puzzles, things that you might already have in your classroom. 
Now, I think for everybody in an ideal world, you would have like a big tote that's filled with all your assessment materials and no one ever touches it unless you're assessing. But that's not a reality for a lot of people. That costs a lot of money to buy duplicates. Who has the space to store a tote? And so what would help me too is I would look at all the materials I might need and I would note where they were in the classroom. So that way that morning, I could spend five minutes running around and grab those materials and have them ready at the desk. Also have them ready at the desk. Don't bring the student to the table and then go get the puzzle because the student is probably not going to wait for you while you go find the puzzle. So all of that kind of helped me streamline the process on my end. Oh, I love the idea of saying where it is in the classroom because you're right. You're like, oh, I have the perfect sequencing cards, but you're like, but I use that all the time. And you're like, yeah. And I get the appeal of like, I just want to put it in this one bin and have it this tote ready and blah, blah. But like, then that's silly. Like you want to use those tools and resources all the time. So Mm -hmm. putting where they are is really a good idea because you likely do have a lot of the materials for this. Right. Um, All right. So once you gather this information and you, you get your assessment, how does that help then your future planning in the classroom, whether that be IEP goals, lesson plans, or just what skills you're working on with students? How does the, this, you know, assessment and kind of curriculum guide help you know what to do next? Absolutely. So one of my things I always turn people to that I don't think they really realize is there's a whole big chunk of the BBMAP guide that you're going to go back to after you're done with the assessment. And I think a lot of times we're just so eager to like get in there, do the assessment and close it out that you forget to go back and use the other parts of the resource. So one of my favorite things is at the end of your VBMAP guide, that's that chunkier book, and it's called Interpreting the Level Assessment. It's Curriculum Placement and Writing IEP Goals. And so many times we walk out of an assessment and we go, great, we have all this information. Now what? Or what? I don't know what this means. Or I don't know how to use it. That section kind of, explains to you, okay, so these are the results that you got. What does that mean for your student? It gives you some language that you can use to write your IEP or any other type of programming, and it'll actually give suggested IEP goals. Now, you shouldn't necessarily just copy and paste all the goals because they're not going to be appropriate for every student, but it is a nice thing to go to and start to think about, okay, well, this is what they recommend for a student who tested mainly into level one, which just means when you did your assessment, there are three levels, level one, two, and three. And if most of their scores are still down in level one, you know to go to that section and kind of get an idea of what they suggest for students to be working on who are also at that level. And I think you're right that we do kind of overlook that section, but that's like really the most helpful piece. Like this is what, when we, you know, you and I talked about like, oh, finding an assessment was so helpful. It's like, because we need that, like, hey, this is where your kid's at. And these are some things you can do next. So that's like, you know, a game changer. Another section that I really like that I think a lot of people skip is the barriers assessment. And this is one that I also, when I first started using BBMAP skipped, because again, you're really short on time and who wants to do an extra assessment? They're just trying to get the baseline stuff done. But I loved the barriers assessment because the barriers assessment looks at barriers to the student interacting with their environment. And what I really liked about that is behavior is really tricky to talk about. And I always, when I went into an IEP, I always had the struggle of wanting to be very clear and honest about what was occurring in the classroom while also being respectful for how difficult it is for the family to come to a meeting like this. And I didn't want to just sit down and give all these negative statements about what was happening in the classroom. The barriers assessment gives you a much more clear, concrete way to express what's happening in the classroom and how it can be impacting the student's access to their curriculum 
without you having to worry about how to make it sound professional or appropriate. So that is a really, really helpful piece that you can include if that's been a concern of yours. Oh, that's a great point. Can you explain a little bit how you give the barriers assessment? Absolutely. So the barriers assessment has, it's very similar to the rest of the BB map. It's just looking at a, at the skills in a different way. So some of the barriers that a student might have is uh, a poor instructional control, or maybe they have an absent motor imitation, or maybe they have impaired visual perception skills. And so all of those are going to impact their progress on their IEP goals. And so just like when you give your assessment, when you go to do the barriers assessment, they're also going to give you kind of targets that you're looking for and then numbers. So I've got mine right here. I'll open it up to one, for example. So one of them is self-stimulation. So that might be a barrier that your student is experiencing. And then it's got a zero to four. So you're going to read that and you're going to say, okay, if the student does not engage in any type of these self-stimulatory or repetitive behaviors, they're going to get a zero. However, if they engage in a high rate that's impeding their learning and their social activities, they're going to get a three. And this one is kind of opposite of thinking. The higher the number, the more it's impacting them the lower the number, the less it is. And so you can kind of read these and just more appropriately score because it's one thing just to say, oh, well, the student engages in self-stimulatory behavior and that makes it hard for them to learn. That's a very broad statement. But if you can come back and use this criteria to help explain what's going on, everyone can have a much clearer vision. And then when you have a student that maybe has four or five different barriers, you can better assess, okay, well, which of these barriers is the one that's impacting them the most. And it's going to be the one that's coming back as a three or a four versus the one that's coming back as a one or a two. Oh, that's a great example. And I, and I appreciate you reading an example from the book too. Um, and what I love about the barriers assessment too, first of all, I really like the word barrier. Like, I don't know why. It's like a really clear mm -hmm. way to explain like, hey, this is why this is a struggle to meet these expectations. But what I love about it is that it connects you know, that the struggles and obstacles that students are facing behaviorally with their academic success. Because we, you know, we have parents and administrators that, of course, are like, hey, why isn't this student making progress? And it's like, hey, well, these are the barriers. These are the behavioral struggles we're addressing first. Or, you know, sometimes as a teacher, too, wrapping this into like, hey, this is why I need more staff or more different resources, because these are the barriers this child is facing in order to meet these goals. It like creates that bridge almost. Yes. And again, so many times we have administrators who maybe don't have as strong of a background in special education. And so this can also be helpful for them to have a better picture of what you're saying, because when you just go and you complain there, you know, that that's just going to not get you very far because they're not going to be able to really understand the complexity of what's going on in your classroom. And so I just love that it is that very concrete visual interpretation of this is where the challenges are. You know, I'm not just saying like, oh, it's hard. Like here is, you know, eight different pieces of evidence that show where we're struggling and where we need help. Yeah. Oh, I think this is going to really inspire people to just jump into the BB map. This piece too. I mean, like, cause there's so much that you can do with it. Um, and that will be helpful in meetings in planning a few logistical questions before we wrap up. So you know, who can give the BB map? Is there like a requirement of certain types of certification or anything if, to give the BB map? So this is an interesting question that I have actually gotten a lot since I became a BCBA. So 
as a teacher, I was the person conducting FBAs and VIPs in my classroom. That is the way that my school system was set up. So I was given a copy of the BB map and told to use it. So I do think that it can be really helpful if you do have someone who is a BCBA to help you implement it. However, it is available on Amazon and you do not need to be a BCBA to purchase anything on Amazon. So I would say anybody could buy it and start using it. It just might be a little bit more clear if you do have someone with that ABA background to help assist you in using it. Yeah, that's a good answer. Like even get you like started, you know, like like you said, the explaining the language and and explaining the whole format and all of that. Um, but yeah, a teacher, a teacher can do it, which is, which is nice because not, you know, every district always has access to, you know, a BCBA that's even in the building regularly. Right. And if you have, you know, an administrator that's trying to help you and wants to be really supportive, sometimes they say, what can I do? And you go, I don't know. <laughs> I need four more adults. Well, that's not realistic. But if you say, oh, but I found this assessment and it's like we said, $50 and it's really going to be a game changer in all of my students' IEPs, that's a much more tangible way that an administrator might be able to support you because it is so affordable and accessible to the everyday person. Yeah. And how often do you recommend giving the VB map, like, you know, doing an updated assessment? So I would recommend trying to do an updated assessment. I would try and update it every quarter, but I was a teacher for six years. I know that's not happening sometimes. So I absolutely always did it every time we came back to the IEP table. So that might be just once a year with the annual, or if we were coming together for an amendment to look at something else, I would try and go ahead and update the VB map as well, just so I always had new information when the IEP team was gathering to discuss anything within the IEP. Yeah, that's a good idea. And the updating doesn't always take as long as maybe that initial assessment too. So it's not as, you know, laborious or stressful. And like we said, you're going to see a lot of it happening happening naturally. So you might not even be in the classroom with a student. It might be a teacher work day and you somehow miraculously tied everything up and you've got an extra 30 minutes before you go home. Go ahead and pull out that VB map and see if there's anything that you've seen in the last quarter that you can go ahead and mark off for the next assessment period. And I think that's another thing where people kind of get stuck because they wait until the IEP to do this huge assessment, and then you're having to do a lot at one time. And it is a really easy to chunk it for yourself and just do little pieces as you see things start to develop within our students. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thanks, Nicole. Where can people go to learn more from you? I also have a podcast as well that I would love for you guys to come over and listen to. I share a lot of information like this. I also am somebody that's really into the work-life balance. So when you come over to my podcast, you will get some podcasts that are related to special education or being a BCBA, and some of them are to help you outside of the classroom as well. So I run Adaptation Station. That's the name of my podcast. That's the name of my blog. You'll find all those types of information on those two sites. Awesome. And we will link all of those in the show notes. Well, thank you so much, Nicole. I think that you have hopefully inspired some teachers to look into this new assessment, which I think could be really helpful for them. I hope so. And if you have any questions, don't be afraid to reach out because we can definitely help you. But just take a look at it because I think a lot of people, like we said, it's going to be the thing that they've been looking for. Thanks, Nicole. Thanks for listening to the Autism Helper podcast. If you liked what you heard and want to hear more, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to me if you left some feedback. 
Whether I'm working one-on-one with a student, doing a podcast like this one, or presenting for a PD, my goal is always to provide as much value as I can. So your feedback really helps me make sure I'm doing just that. If you have other topics you'd like me to cover, leave in the feedback or message me on social media. You can follow me at The Autism Helper on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Pinterest. Or visit my website, theautismhelper.com. Thanks again for listening. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Having the right resources for your classroom is essential to making sure your classroom is running smoothly. At the Autism Helper Shop, we have all of the resources you need to make sure you have the behavior, communication, and curriculum supports for your students. Within our shop, we have adapted books, task cards, resources aligned to the VB map and the ABLES, behavior plan flowcharts, data sheets, curriculum. Everything you need, whether you are an early childhood teacher or a high school teacher, we have all of the resources that will meet those students' needs. So head over to shop.theautismhelper.com to check out all of our resources.